Amen. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for being exactly who you declare yourself to be. Lord, that you are the lamb that came to seek and to save that which was lost, to give your life on the cross, to be risen again. Lord, but we know one day that you will come as that, that lion, that, um, that force, Lord, that will move among the world that is undeniable. And Lord, there'll be one day where those that know Christ will bow before you in adoration and praise and worship. But Lord, there'll also be the day when every knee will bow. That those who reject you in this life will one day recognize and understand in the fullness who you are and will bow before you. Lord, not as Savior, but as Judge. And so, Lord, we thank you for being the God that you are, not for the God that we make you to be. And you're not a genie that is just at every whim that we desire. Lord, are, you are the God of all creation. You are the, the lion and the lamb. You are the was and is and is to come. And so thank you for being all that you are. And we pray that as we worship you this evening, Lord, as we get into your word, that you'd open up our hearts and our minds to what you have for us. And again, be glorified in all of this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As these guys grab their seats, we're going to just highlight a couple announcements real quick. So lots of things going on. Uh, just want to make sure you're aware of. So biggest thing coming up, uh, next biggest thing I should say, is the uh, Unity Fest. Uh, believe it or not, that's just a couple weeks away, so July 9th. So I hope and I pray that you guys are inviting people out, encouraging people to come and be a part of this uh, amazing service. And so July 9th at 10.30 a.m., uh, outdoor service, tent service, potluck, uh, tons of inflatables, all kinds of fun. So definitely don't forget about that. I uh, also want to let you know about the Swordlight Library email. You can sign up for that in the summer reading program, um, which is going on. I want to make sure you know about that. You can go to the library and get all the information you want on that or talk to Avi tonight before you leave. Um, funds for floors, don't forget about those. Obviously, grab an envelope if you haven't grabbed one in a while. Uh, mom to mom sale still, something we really want to encourage you to know about. And then open houses are coming up as well. Um, Josie's open house is uh, July 15th. And then Faith's open house, July 22nd. So make sure you know about that. Uh, be praying for them, encouraging them, obviously, and all of that. And then also, don't forget about Grief Share starting up tomorrow excuse me, tomorrow night uh, is their next session. So you definitely want to make note of that. Um, again, if you know someone that would be interested and in, be blessed by that ministry, let them know about this. Um, it's amazing to hear how people have grown and found healing and recovery and victory in this grief share ministry. Um, I know Lynn and Julie both greatly appreciate uh, the prayers, the support, the encouragement. Um, let them know you appreciate that. And so uh, some of the people that were in the group the first time are going back around the second time. Uh, some people are going to be in addition to brand new to the group. And so we're really excited about what the Lord it's going to do there. All right, so lots of great opportunity, things to be involved in. Um, obviously, be praying about just all of our family or our church family as they're traveling uh, out of town, doing different things, vacationing, camping, all those things. Be prayer for those. Um, but again, we're just so thankful you're here tonight. So we're going to dive into uh, Psalm 5. So I have a handout for you guys. So we'll go ahead and pass that out. Does anyone need a clipboard? Because if somebody would be cool to, Anthony, could you maybe grab the clipboards and Pass out a couple if they need them. Let's sneak down here. There's that. Oh, wait. I sent you the digital one. Oh, okay. Then that's Anthony's. There you go. 
There you go, Sam. Yep. And there you are, man. You wanna? No, it's not. I was motioning for him. I was motioning for you to come to me instead of her going to you. Is what I was trying to say. Remember what I said, Josiah? There you go, sir. Um, what? So let me know if you would rather have a digital copy, because I sent one to her and to Sandra. So if you want a digital versus paper, let me know. Okay. Oh yeah, pens. Whoever thought of that, thank you. All right, so <clears throat> we are going to be uh, looking at Psalm 5 this evening, and so as we've been doing now for a few weeks again, um, just kind of taking a passage and diving into it, uh, this is one that um, I find both encouraging and at times a little challenging, and so I thought it would be a blessing to you, I pray it's a blessing to you rather, and I hope that it gives you... Um, just some clarity on some things, some encouragement on some things, but also a challenge to continue to remember our call is to share Christ, that others would come to know him, um, because there is, as we sang about tonight, a reality to who Jesus is. And one day, uh, this time that he has given for repentance will come to an end, and there will be an account given. And so I pray that maybe tonight this would motivate you or encourage you to continue to serve him in sharing your faith uh, with others, but also just an encouragement to know that no matter what we face around us, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, uh, that the Lord is there for us. He is that refuge. He is that place of security, safety, and shelter. So I'm going to give you guys, as normal, about 10 minutes to go ahead and kind of make some observations in the notes, um, to make some markings on the paper there. Um, and I did mention this to TJ just a few minutes ago. If anybody would like uh, a, a digital copy of this, some of you may have iPads or things like that. I know Sandra likes to have, and, and maybe Danielle, uh, an iPad with like an Apple pencil, pen. You can make notes right on it um, and mark up the kind of the digital copy of it. If you would like that versus a paper copy, let me know. And when we're doing one of these, I can try to remember to send you one uh, ahead of time and maybe a week out. Um, but as I told uh, Danielle, uh, don't study ahead of time too much, okay? Because if you get all the answers before we meet on Sunday, then you could just come teach. So it'd be great. Um, but no, so if you want that, we encourage you to do that to let me know. We can get you a digital copy of that. So we'll give you guys about 10 minutes to make some observations. Remember, we're looking for uh, who's talking to who, different statements, um, comments, different things people are saying, phrases, uh, groups of people, um, just kind of the overall situation of the flow of the text. And then just a reminder, there is or there are two verses on the back of the paper, okay, because of just space. So take about 10 minutes. Mark it up, read it through, make some notes, and then we'll come back and talk about it in just a moment.
<clears throat> Just curious, how many of you made it to the back of the paper? You got to those last two verses? A couple people? Okay. Yeah, there's a backside, but <clears throat> um, So, I know there's a lot that we can do with this text. So, here's what I want to encourage you to do. We probably, we may not get through all of it tonight, so take this home, obviously, as I hope you do every week. Spend some more time on this, keep going through it. I know 10 minutes is not a lot of time to go through each verse. Um, so again, we just want to give you a little bit of time to work on that. Um, so a couple of things I want to start with as kind of just outlining the psalm. It's been a while since we've done one of the psalms. So remember we did like, it uh, could have been eight weeks or something we did in the psalms. So there's a couple things we have to remember when we're going to a psalm for interpretation. So remember that process. We make observations. That's O. We interpret the text. And what does it mean to interpret the text? What are we basically asking when we interpret a, a text? What's a question we should be asking? Or what are we trying to get the answer to of what question? Not a trick question. Like if I'm interpreting a text, what am I trying to figure out? Yeah, what does it mean? What is it saying, right? So observations, we're just observing the text. We're making note of names, places, dates, conversations, all kinds of things like that. Anything and everything that stands out to us. Um, who's talking to who, those kind of things. Interpretation is, okay, now I need to understand what does this text actually mean? So what is this text saying? And that's, so O, I, and what's the A stand for? application. So I've made observations. I figured out a lot of questions about the who, the where, the what, the why, the how, all of that. Now I take that. I figure out what does it then mean? And from that I get application. We don't start with application first because if we do that, we'll contort the text. If we try to make it say something it doesn't say because I want it to apply in a certain way, we've kind of taken the text out of context, right? So when we look at a Psalm, what are a couple things we should probably note <clears throat> and I apologize. I feel like I'm losing my voice. So if it sounds like I am, I apologize. But Sandra will be really happy about that. Um, she's like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Um, but when we, when we talk about a psalm, in order to understand what it means, what are some things we should note right off the bat about the book of Psalms? What are some things we should make note of about the book of Psalms itself so that we can make an appropriate interpretation. If anybody remembers, we kind of unpacked some of this a while ago, or maybe in your own Bible study, you've kind of come across these things. So what are some things we need to note about Psalms in general? What do you think? Yeah. Yep. Historical or something like that, right? Yeah. So, so Psalms is interesting because there is some history in Psalm. Right? There's some historical narrative and some things like that going on. But overarching, the book of Psalms is a book of poetry. Right? It's a book of songs or things that they would kind of write in a poetic form. So when you're interpreting a poem or something that's written poetically, you have to understand that there are things that are figurative. Right? There's things that represent something. Um, certain things are giving the uh, persona of a human being, but it's not really a person. Um, Proverbs is wisdom literature, which has a similar style, kind of that poetic language. So wisdom is seen in Proverbs as a woman. Obviously, it's not really a woman. So when we go to Psalms, we have to understand there's, there's some of that poetic nature to it. So we have to take that into account, right? Now, sometimes in Psalm, what it says is what it says. 
It is what it is. Other times there's some poetic flow to it. Um, there's certain rhymes and rhythms to Psalms. And so again, when we're looking at that, we can kind of break the Psalm up a little bit, right? And if you guys noticed, there's kind of some divisions here. So kind of verses one through three, this kind of one grouping. This is how I would do it anyway. Uh, verses four through six is another grouping. Uh, verses, uh, it'd be seven through eight, and then nine through 10, and 11 and 12. So you kind of see how that breaks up the text, okay? So one through three, four through six, seven and eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Now, the reason we're going to talk about breaking up this way is because the flow of the psalm itself. David is the author of the psalm, is believed, and he's going to kind of address some different things. And as he's doing that, he's going to address it in certain ways. So we're going to kind of un unpack that a little bit. Um, another thing we need to know is that we don't base theology on a psalm. Okay? Psalms are meant to reinforce other passages that teach us our theology. So say it this way. Our view of God is based in the weight of God's word. So all of God's word gives us the picture of who God is, his love, his holiness, his justice, his grace, his compassion, all those things, his nature, his character. They're all in scripture. We go to the clear teachings of who God is in scripture, right? Those clear texts that are either things like historical narrative, where it's clearly this is actually talking about something God did, or where one of the prophets speaks specifically about what God has done or what God is going to do. Or one of the greatest ways we can know about the Father is by going where? The to the Gospels. Because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. So we take those passages that are clear, in a sense, easy to understand, even the epistles, now what Psalms does is reinforce those things that those clear passages teach us. We want to be careful we don't base our theology or our view of God on a psalm. Because again, this is poetic in nature and want to reinforce it with the weight of Scripture. Okay, And I'll kind of explain as we get through this text why that will somewhat make a difference. Also, you can jot down to the side there. Um, this psalm is believed to have taken place... Uh, during the time of 2 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 13 through 14. So this psalm, David is, is writing about what took place during 2 Samuel 15, 13 through 14. Okay? So what we're going to do is, is we're going to read this psalm together in just a moment. Then I'm going to ask for a volunteer to go back and read uh, that passage as well in just a moment. But I want to give you guys a couple more points on this psalm. Uh, also, this psalm, like Psalm 3, is considered a mourning psalm. Not mourning like grieving the loss of a loved one, like mourning like the beginning of the day. Okay, So this is a mourning psalm. And we even see that in the psalm, right? Where do we see the word mourning talked about. Verse 3, right? It talks about the idea of his prayer being in the morning. So again, it's this idea of a morning psalm. So let's do this. We're going to read it together. I'm going to ask for a volunteer to do that. And then I'll ask for someone to go to 2 Samuel 15 and kind of get a little bit of a historical context to it. And then we'll start breaking it apart. Okay. So can I have a volunteer that would like to read Psalm 5 for us? And I know I, 
I should always do this probably before you mark it all up. Because if you're like me, it's like, wait, what is that word? I kind of drew a line there and it messed up that word. So uh, just try to decipher your own uh, notes there. But do I have a volunteer that would like to read Psalm 5 for us? Danielle. And then somebody that would be willing to read 2 Samuel 15, 13 through 14. Avi. All right, Danielle, go ahead. Nice and loud. Awesome. Thank you, ma'am. And then Avi, Second Samuel fifteen, thirteen through fourteen. Okay. Yeah, just 13 and 14. <clears throat> so what's the circumstances here? Who's coming against David? Who are these enemies? His son, Absalom, right? And so even in the midst and the middle of dangerous circumstances, David prioritizes the will of God. If we have to kind of summarize this psalm, that's really what we're seeing here. In the middle of dangerous circumstances, David prioritizes the will of God. He asks the Lord to guide him. And in no small part because there are evil men seeking to kill him. We also see this uh, in Psalm 3, verse 1. So wicked men lay in wait to kill David. So he needed to follow the Lord's guidance to stay safe and to uh, persevere in righteousness. So as this is happening, this circumstance is just unfolding. And all of these things are taking place. Again, this is similar to other Psalms. But David is crying out. He's saying, Lord, in the midst of these circumstances, I need you. And so we're going to kind of walk this out a little bit and see how he goes about making sure his heart and his mind are on the right thing, even in the midst of these circumstances. So the first three verses, we're going to kind of start there. Um, if you have the title of this, I just kind of put down David's prayer during opposition. Um, and this is David's opening confession. So he's kind of making some statements here about God. And I, I love these first three verses. So the first thing we need to know is that he's going to God in prayer in a difficult time. That's almost kind of a given. A lot of people are like, well, sure he did. But I'll be honest, when I go through a difficult time or I face opposition or you face opposition, our natural instinct is not to go to God in prayer. 
a lot of our natural instinct is to fix the problem, to try to make it right, or try to deal with the situation in our own understanding and our own strength. And I love that David goes to the Lord on this. Um, now, when you read through these first three verses, you're also going to see that David has a confidence that God will hear his prayer and respond to what David's asking. Uh, when we can pray in the same way, with the same confidence, knowing that regardless of the answer that God in Christ for us as believer is hearing our prayers. So he's understanding He's crying out to God, but I believe he's crying out because he knows God will hear him. He knows God is going to help and deal with the situation. I don't think David knew all that was going to unfold. I don't think David knew the outcome. I don't think he thought, this is all going to be great. It's all going to go away. Everything's going to be great. He just knew God was there for him. Just note the names that God. So he says, so when, when he's using these titles and giving these to God, right? yeah. He's giving complete reverence. You are God, you are Lord, you are King, right? And obviously we compare this to even the Pharisees in the New Testament, right? When they would come and say, you know, talking to Jesus and using terms and they would talk about themselves or even when they would give Jesus a title, they weren't really giving him that title, right? In their hearts, they were like, I don't know, but is there any doubt David's view of God? No, he is my God. He is my King. He is my Lord. So there's a reverence there. What else does this tell us about David's attitude in prayer? What else could this communicate to us about David's attitude in prayer, using these titles and saying it in that many ways? Okay, yep. Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah, humility. Right? There's so much humility in this prayer. He's reckon, before he asks God to do anything, he's recognizing it's not my will, but your will be done. Now, he doesn't pray that, but that's basically what he's saying. You're king, you're Lord, you're God. So I'm going to ask some things of you. I'm going to pray these things, but I'm trusting that you will deal with these things in the right way. He's humble coming in prayer. Now, again, if we take this and we Look at it as a mirror, and we're looking at our own life and our prayer life. A lot of times we start our prayers trying to tell God what he should do. We try to counsel God in our prayers. And then rather than doing that, David acknowledges at the very beginning, no, 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 you're God, you're king, you're Lord. And so quick application, quick little challenge here. How would our prayer lives change if we started every prayer with this type of reverence, with this type of humility. And I, I love what Avi's been uh, doing on Sunday afternoons after service, that prayer time. And I love the idea of the acts, right? Adoration being that first thing. Now, we understand that we're not saying that we sit down in our prayer time and go, okay, Lord, A, adoration. I now adore you for being, right? Like we don't want to be robotic about it. We talked about this even in our men's study with our, our study through prayer. And we understand that, but I love that that's the first step because if we adore him for who he is first, we recognize who he is first. By the time we get down to supplication, those things we thought we were going to ask him about, he may have already changed our hearts and now we're not even asking for that anymore because he's already made us thankful and understood how he's already provided. And we go, now, you know what, Lord, never mind. I don't need that after all, because I recognize who you are and what you've already done for me. So again, that adoration, he's coming in a confession, a declaration, you are God. 
We also need to note something here, and I hope you, you circled this or underlined this. And so I would encourage you to highlight or underline all those names we just talked about. You can also note that he says uh, a couple of different ways. Give ear, right? Consider my meditation. So what's that? It's the same thing. Hear me. Verse 2, hearken, right? I want you to make sure you're hearing me. But then in verse 3, when does he give this prayer? He says, in the morning, right? My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will I look up. Now, I love this because to me, mornings can be the roughest for me. I'm just not wired as a morning person. And so for me to get up and spend time with the Lord right out the gate, that's kind of a little difficult for me. Um, just being a little transparent, what I usually do, this is kind of how I do it. Um, and I'm so blessed to be able to be on staff here full time. So I have this opportunity, um, right when I wake up first few thoughts, I try to make sure I'm recognizing who he is. So before we even get our feet on the floor, Lord, today is your day. I'm giving this day to you. It's already yours. I'm just recognizing it's yours. I'm giving it to you. Be with my words, be with my actions, be with my thoughts. Help me to honor you in these things. And then once I get going through the day, I'm blessed to be able to come here and for about an hour, I'm able to spend, before the office actually opens, spend some time in study and prayer and personal devotion time. And for me, that helps out huge. If I tried to do that right when I first woke up, it wouldn't be successful. Because I'm groggy, I'm kind of out of it, I'm not really thinking about those things. But we, no matter whether it's a couple hours into our morning or however that looks, take those first few moments when you're waking up and just recognize you are king. You are God. And I love that he says, my voice will you hear in the morning. Do you think there's mornings David didn't want to follow through on that? Of course. So why does he say it that way? This is not just for God. Do you ever do this in your own personal walk? You know what you need to be doing. And you say it to God in a prayer. And you say it to God, but you're really saying it to yourself. My voice will be the voice that he hears in the morning. It, you're making a commitment between you and God and you're telling yourself, okay, I know me and I'm going to struggle with this, but I'm making a commitment that God, my voice will be the voice you hear in the morning. Now go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Went off by himself to a place to pray or went over here to pray. And yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing because again, we're not saying the morning is the only time that we can spend time with the Lord, but I do think there's something to be said for that. When we start our day with that mindset, we're not only going to start the day in the best way possible, but we're also confirming something of a value and a priority in our life. So if we value time with God as a priority, we should start our day with that. Again, maybe it's a simple thing right when you first get up and then there's a greater time of prayer or whatever later in the morning. But you're starting your day with that priority of, I need this today. I need him today. And when we start the day with him and our mindset's on him, we're much more likely to have a day that's going to be honoring to him. 
rather than start the day with panic and anxiety because we've got so many things to do. We're rushing, we're rushing, we're rushing. We're getting to a situation, and now we're going, oh, Lord, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. I haven't even thought about talking to you yet. Would you be with me in this moment? And he's going to be there for you. That's the amazing thing. He's going to be there for you. But wouldn't it have been better to start the day with him, have your mind on him and your heart on him, and as you're going through the day, now when you come to that 1.30, 2.30 situation that you weren't expecting, you've already had your heart and mind prepared by God's goodness and grace to say, Lord, I know you're with me in this. And it's just a whole different way of going about the day. David basically is saying this, I cannot make it through one day without going to the Lord in prayer at the beginning of each day. David is basically saying, I can't go through one day without going to you at the beginning of every day so that I can get through that day. As we noted a couple weeks ago uh, in Sunday morning services, uh, every day has its troubles, right? Matthew 6, 34. Every day has its troubles. Jesus is so good to tell us that ahead of time. And yet the Lord provides new mercies every day. Lamentations 3, 21. So every day has troubles and God is so good. He goes, and I'll give you new mercies and grace every day to overcome those difficulties that every day has. And every day is unique. Some days troubles are different than yesterday's troubles, but every day he's willing to supply that. But here's the thing. If I don't go to him in the morning and recognize that, it's not like God's like, God at all. He's going, nope, nope. You got to ask for it. You got to ask. Did you ask? Okay, here you go. You have some. No, he's giving them because he's just good. But when I go and I recognize he's giving me those things, now my attitude, my heart, my mind will be more in tune to when I go through the troubles of today, I'm already recognizing he's there with me. Avi, did you have a comment? Right. 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 Yep. Yes. Yep. And I love what you said there. It's, it's not that God is in heaven going, I'm not complete and fulfilled until you come to me in the morning. We understand this is for us, right? God functions outside of time and space. God's functioning at something on a level that we can't even understand. So why does David cry out? Every morning, because he has realized something. I kind of think of what Paul says. Paul says, I've learned in whatsoever state there that I'm in therewith to be content, right? Whether I'm starving or full or whatever the situation is. I think David, through his life, learned something about how to live joyfully, peacefully, to have that connection with God. And I believe he learned I have to go to him every morning because I think David most likely learned this. And this is just my assumption, but I think it's safe knowing human nature. I got to believe David missed some mornings. Let's not do this either. Let's not automatically assume David was perfect at this, right? David missed some mornings because he's human. So I'm going to guess David realized, man, the mornings I start with you and I go to you and I humble before you and recognize who you are, those days are a whole lot different than days that I do it in my own strength. And here's the thing, we don't even have to assume that about David's life or need a verse to tell us that because here's the reality, we've all experienced that. You know the days that you spend with him in the morning, at least to some degree, and the days you don't, and you know how your heart, your mind, your reactions, your attitudes, they all 
change. And because it's that blessing that we receive from just spending time with him. And here's the reason. Because if I recognize he's God, King, and Lord in the morning, he's God, King, and Lord at noon, at three, at six, and when I lay my head on my pillow at night. His, his sovereignty over that day, his, his love for me over that day, his grace that day, none of it has changed. And I recognize that at the very beginning. One more thing in those first three verses I want to speak to. Does anyone notice how the verse ends in verse three. What does he say he's going to do after he says, um, would you hear me? Would you hearken unto me? Would you, would you hear my prayer? Recognizing who God is, recognizing when he's going to God. How does he end verse three? He says, I'm going to look up. Okay. That's an interesting phrase. Uh, when you think about that, what do you think of? When you hear David saying that, I'll give you kind of the what I came across in my studies, but when you hear that, that David says all that, then he says, I'm going to look up. Why, why do you think David ends that way? Okay, so a prelude, okay? Okay, yep. So an act of gratitude, Absolutely. Yep, okay, looking to the hill to see the Lord's there, my help and my strength. I'm looking to that. Absolutely, very good. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a great point. The act that I didn't even, I kind of didn't even think about that as far as the act of looking up in the act of, again, humility, recognizing someone's authority over us, right? Any other thoughts on that? So you guys kind of touched on it a little bit too, as far as what, in studying through here and reading through here, the thing that I kept coming back to was that this is an act of anticipation. So an act of anticipation. So that's kind of what we've been saying, right? Looking to the hills and idea of believing that, thank you, God. Because here's the thing. When does he say he looks up? At the end of verse 3. He's not looking up after he asks God to do all of this. And then once he sees God start moving in something, then he looks up to go, well, now you're answering the way I want. I'm going to look up now and be thankful. No, he, he says, I'm asking you to hear this and I'm looking up because I'm anticipating that you're going to do something. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's him looking to say, Lord, I've, I'm giving this into your hands, and now I'm trusting that whatever you do is what you're going to do because you're Lord, you're God, you're King. I'm just looking to the anticipation, looking for that answer. Um, <laughs> right. Right, yeah, so the act of believing because he's been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful now. Absolutely, yeah, 100% agree that if God, if God took care of us then, he'll take care of us now. And so, yeah, David is seeing this. Um, this phrase also implies that he is worshiping. So this is also an act of worship. So it's an act of anticipation, but it's also an act of worship, looking to the Lord. Um, David's anticipation of how God will move. 
So he is looking and he is watching for an answer. So he doesn't just give it to God and then go about his business trying to figure it out. And I love this idea, if you think about it physically, so often we'll pray and we'll put something in God's hands and then we take our eyes and we put it back on the problem. We put our eyes back on the situation and we're trying to down here and I gave it to God, but I'm in here like this. And obviously the best picture that comes to my mind is when Peter's walking on the waves and he takes his eyes off the Lord and puts his eyes on the circumstances, on the storm, on the waves, on the water, and that's when he begins to sink. Now again, I can't be too hard on Peter because he walked on water, so I haven't done that. So I got to be a little careful that I'm not going to be that hard on Peter. I guess if you walk on water and you don't fall after so many steps, I guess you can judge Peter a little bit. I want to be careful because I've never done that. But the point Jesus makes is the, the problem that Peter had was a lack of faith. And the faith was connected to where his vision was. He was looking to the Lord. Everything was fine. When he took his eyes off the Lord and put his eyes on the circumstance, then he began to sink. That's when he, in Jesus' words, lost faith. What does Hebrews say? We set our eyes, our gaze is fixed on Jesus, looking unto the author and finisher of our faith. So our eyes are fixed on him. So why does David say, I look to the Lord? Because he's not going to look at the enemies. He's not going to look at Absalom. He's not going to look at the situation. No, I'm looking to the Lord because you're my strength. You're my everything. And as long as I keep my eyes on you, then whatever happens down here is under your control. And so I love that phrase. And I'll be honest with you. I've read that passage countless times. I've never really stopped and paid that much attention to those three words or those two words, look up. That he will look up. And what a beautiful picture, again, from Old Testament, even into the new, that we need to keep our eyes on Christ. So we're going to pause right here. It is 6.56, so we're a little early, but I don't want to dive into the next section because that part's going to be a little bit uh, more involved as well. Um, but just real quick, is there anything in this psalm, as you read through it, that jumped out to you as a little uncomfortable? Any phrases or terms or anything in this psalm as a whole, not just verses 1 through 3, but the whole psalm that you read and you went, wait, what? Really? How, go ahead, Dave. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, David crying out, would you just wipe them out? Okay, that sounds a little... How about verse um, 5? And we're not going to unpack it tonight, but we will next week. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. He doesn't say, God, you hate the iniquity that people are doing. What does the verse actually say? God hates all workers of iniquity. Who are the workers of iniquity? Human beings who are sinning consistently. So what is David saying in verse 5? God hates the sinner. Now, we will unpack this. God is not contradicting himself in other passages like David saying with love your enemies and for God so loved the world. But for a long time, that, that verses like that tore me up because I could not connect the two. And I used to try to get around it and I would reword it 
and I would try to find a commentary that would agree with me, and there was like one among every three, and I'm like, okay, I like that commentary. Those other ones I'll get rid of. I don't like those, okay? But here's the thing. What have we always heard? Love the sinner, hate the... David's saying God hates the sinner and hates the sin. So is this a contradiction? I'll give you a heads up. It is not a contradiction. And we'll talk about how God can both be loving and verse 5 is still true. And we'll unpack that next week. All right. So spend some time in God's word this week. Encourage you to do so. And we'll join again or back again next week. We will have service next week, even though I know 4th of July is Tuesday. We are still having Sunday evening service. The next time we will not have Sunday evening service will be Unity Fest. So July 9th. Um, And then also real quick, with our whole um, needing animals thing, I said that this morning for future Sunday morning for the junior church. Um, I think after like today, after like one o'clock, I think we were fine. We're good. We're pretty locked up. But we had people that were like, I got goats and I got chickens and I got this and I got that. And Sandra's like, okay, we're literally going to have a petting zoo in the junior church room. So, um, or outside. Yeah. Well, some of that stuff can come in, maybe like a little chick or something, you know, but I mean, they do kind of like poop and pee on your hands. Um, that's now on the recording. Wow. Okay. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, well, I kind of said it this morning, and Sandra even said she heard people instantly like, oh, I could bring this. Oh, we could bring that. We could bring this. So, yeah. But actually, kind of a cool thing that we were talking about doing is um, depending on how it goes, so I guess we're praying for wisdom on this. Um, this is kind of because the junior church right now, they're going through the Genesis kind of creation. And so what a great way to learn about creation by seeing creation, God's creation. But then I was thinking maybe what we could do is kind of like a church, like Sunday morning, we might do like a creation Sunday and kind of talk about creation and stuff like that, kind of tie it in with that. Um, and then I'm going to try to see, um, and I, maybe I shouldn't even say that out loud yet. No. Okay. We might have some kind of a cool surprise for just everyone to be a part of if they'd like to be. So, but we'll talk more about that. Yeah, I don't, I, I almost gave it away, but I, you're right. We should probably hold on to that. I'll put it back in my pocket, put it back in there. Okay, well, let's do this, guys. We'll go ahead and, uh, and pray and let you guys be dismissed. And uh, yeah, let's uh, spend some time in prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, I know that there are passages and there are scriptures that we come across, Lord, that if we're being really honest, and I pray that we will be honest when we get into your word, especially between you and and us as individuals, Lord, there's verses that we read, we just don't like. Lord, I'll be honest enough to admit there are verses that I read that I, I honestly and genuinely don't know if I really understand. I mean, I think I have an understanding. I think I know what it's saying. But Lord, if we're being transparent and honest, as we study God's word, there's going to be times that we have questions that may or may not be answered this side of heaven. And that's okay. So Lord, as we study your word, there should be a healthy tension between what we understand and what we believe we know and those areas that we still are just not there yet and may never be. 
So, Lord, I thank you for that because it reminds us that your word is above us. That your thoughts are above our thoughts, your ways are above our ways. And so, Lord, I pray that when we come across passages that are difficult passages or things that say things that we don't really like to hear or doesn't sit well with us. And it could be any number of things in Scripture. Lord, it could be any number of conversations we might have with people this week that they've read the Word and they came across a verse and it didn't sit well with them. And we can identify with that and say, yeah, it doesn't sit well with me either. But Lord, I pray that when we have that tension that we would remember that whether we understand it or not, whether we agree with it or not, is irrelevant. That your word is the authority. Our agreement with your word does not validate your word. Your word is your word. It is the final authority. It is the only authority for our faith and practice. And so I pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom and understanding that we would grow in these things, Lord, in the areas that we're struggling in. As far as I know, every single one in this room, if we're being honest, we can struggle at times in study of God's word because there's things we just don't get, things we would do differently. I pray we would have the attitude that David had. You are our Lord. You are our God and you are our King. And we humble ourselves before you under your mighty hand that you might be glorified. And along the way, Lord, you're growing us and you're shaping us and you're molding us into the image of Christ. And we thank you for that. You're using us for your glory to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. But Lord, in that day-to-day walk with you, I know there's questions that we have. I pray that we would surrender them to you and trust that even when we don't understand, you are good. You are who you are. When we don't understand your hand and what you're doing and how you're moving, we trust your heart. Because we know we're in you by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. We know we're guaranteed salvation through Christ. So help us, Lord, to walk these things out, to have understanding, and to trust you. Father, go with us as we go into this week. Help us to see the opportunities before us in our job, in our communities, in our homes, to make you known and to grow in you. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you guys so much. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock.